Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. So if you have a Bible, go to Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. We are in a series. Um, but we, hey, I just want to, for those of you that missed last week or are new, um, we have been in a series called Sex, Love, and God. And we recognize that we live in an over-sexualized um, culture. And our society is filled with sexual images. And most of the time in our culture, we are confused by what real sex and sexuality is. And so we have been attempting to go through the Song of Songs, uh, kind of looking at what the scriptures have to say about sex and sexuality and all sorts of things. So this has been a, you know, a matured audience conversation, and we're going to continue in the matured discussion. So parents, use discretion if your kids are here. Um, but we have been teaching what sexuality looks like from a biblical perspective. So the last six weeks, we've looked at this poem it is a 3,000-year-old love poem um, that is about a flesh-and-blood couple writing to each other. And it also reflects the, the type of reality that God has and what sexuality is designed for, what relationships look like. And this 3,000-year-old poem is absolutely relevant for us today as we've kind of taught throughout the last six weeks. For example, we began our series looking at what true beauty is and how beauty is designed by God and we are physically attracted to other people. And that's, that's part of our human nature and that's okay that actually that's a good thing and in the first chapter we see that there is a woman that um, in this story in this this poem that has a deep insecurity and her insecurity is so common for us today that she doesn't feel that she fits uh, the cultural stereotype for beauty and so we see a woman who is struggling to meet cultural standards, cultural expectations. In their ancient Near East culture, women uh, were supposed to have whiter skin. The paler the skin, the more beautiful you were. And she had to work in the fields. And so she expresses her deep insecurity for being uh, of dark skin. And so we see that within a 3,000-year-old poem, there's such relevance of what it means to live uh, and what it means to be beautiful. And we challenged that, that cultural stereotype uh, six weeks ago. And we talked about um, all sorts of things in the last few months or last month or so. Um, we talked about three ways that our relationships can flourish according to Song of Songs that we have to practice restraint. How many of you remember this? What was the second thing? Anyone? We have to practice Risk, somebody said respect, that's not one, but that's true. Uh, resolve, that's right. So we have restraint, we have risk, and we have resolve. Um, that we're, we're to practice restraint in our relationships. Whether we're, we're in a dating relationship, there are things that are designed for marriage. Or if we're in a, a marriage relationship, there are still things that we need to practice restraint in to keep our relationship um, from doing harm and we, we become uh, solely committed to the other person and so we do those things and then we practice risk we continually give our heart over and over again and what I, I express is oftentimes it's the people we love the most that can do the most harm to us and so some of us walk in here with baggage of all the pain that's kind of accumulated over the last few years of your life and that, that it keeps you from risking your heart again to entering into relationships, whether it's with a significant other or whether it's a community. Some of us are here and we hide from community. 
that we've been hurt in the past and um, God wants to open up those, tear down those walls and allow us to enter in and be willing to risk our heart. And then resolve, if you recall, what the foxes say. I mean, what the foxes are. (laughs) Yeah, what do they say? (laughs) We need Pete back up for that. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, Yeah, the foxes were the things. I'm not going to recover from this. Um, Hashtag, what the foxes say. Um, We talked about the things in our relationships that keep us from growing, that we have to resolve the things that keep growth. And the foxes would nibble on the vines um, of a vineyard and keep the fruit from blossoming. Um, So that's what we talked about. We talked about what God intended sex to look like. We talked about the way sexuality goes south and how we become imprisoned by our own desires if we continue to live outside of the way God intended us to live. I love that talk personally, that we talked about sex being powerful. That in the same way you don't stick a fork in a light socket, we recognize that sexuality is both a gift but something that we protect. And that when we continue to operate outside of God's kind of intention or boundaries, it's not because he's a killjoy that he gives us boundaries, but it's because sexuality is so powerful that it can do a lot of damage. And so we talked about ways that sexuality um, is damaging to our souls. And, and that was a great talk. And then last week, Bill talked about conflict. And most of us, I think, missed it because the traffic was so bad due to the marathon. But um, for those of you that were here, it was a lecture that I'm still processing <laughs> because it was so in- insightful as how, we, how to honor the no and honor the relationship within conflict, uh, with the conflict within a relationship. So... That's a review for everyone. You're welcome. (laughs) Um, Today, I'm simply going to talk about the three different words that are used for the word love found in Song of Solomon. Um, You see, English doesn't do uh, it justice, uh, but the Hebrew language has various words to describe the meaning of a particular love. So in English, we water down this word because I could say in the same breath, I love Chipotle burritos and pour over coffee. I love surfing. I love my wife. I love God. I love sex. I love all these things. And the word love is used for all of those, all of those different things. But we don't see the significance of the, 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 the meaning behind what I'm saying. Because for me to love coffee as much as I love my wife seems a little strange. Do you agree? And in the Hebrew language, um, there were different words to describe the particular love that the author is talking about. So I just want to give us a new vocabulary for the meaning of love. You with me? So open your Bibles to Song of Song, chapter 1. We're going to start in chapter 1. We're going to bounce around. If you're here and you're married, I think this is a great talk to talk about what we fight for. This is what we fight for in our relationship. And if you're here and you're single and you're hoping to be married one day, this is what you hold out for. And if you're here and you've been um, uh, brokenhearted by a loved one, these are things that we can strive after and see restoration for. So we're going to start in uh, chapter 1. We're going to look at this first love here. And we'll, uh, we'll just bounce around throughout the text and we'll have a time of response. So chapter 1, verse 9 says this, I liken you my darling, or some of our translations say my beloved, among Pharaoh's chariots and horses, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewel, um, with jewels, excuse me, we will make your earrings of gold studded with silver. So the first love is uh, raya, say raya. 
raya, and it means uh, friendship or companionship. It means soulmate love. And uh, go down, I don't have this on the slides, but chapter 2, verse 10, uh, we have, my beloved spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. Skip down to verse 13. Arise, come, my beloved, or my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. So we see all throughout Song of Songs, this word raya, and it's used as darling, lover, or beloved. And it means uh, the, the best friend kind of love, the soulmate, the, the quality time type of love, the love that flourishes when we spend lots of time with someone. Do you know this kind of love? It's the kind of love that we should build all of our relationships on. It's where a healthy relationship starts. It starts with the, 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 the it's, it starts as the foundation of our friendship, the time spent together, dates, experiences, conversations, and life moments. It's the doing life together type of love. And this is the foundation for all of our relationships, or at least it should be. And in an intimate relationship, it all begins with raya. And raya is about building a life together with our friendship. So when I do premarital counseling, I constantly tell couples that are in a hurry to slow down. And if you're here and you're in a dating relationship, I, I kind of prescribe and recommend Bill does the same to say you have to be, or the goal is to be in a relationship, a dating relationship without an engagement for at least a year. So you can build an adequate foundation of friendship. What does this person look like with his family, with their friends? What, uh, how, how do they navigate through conflict? How do they navigate through uh, difficult circumstances? Um, at the moment you put a ring on someone and are engaged, you put pressure on the, on the relationship. And, and when you give time and space for a friendship to develop, that will become a platform for the rest of the love that we're going to read about. And so it begins with Raya. Um, and, and, and the central to Raya is something called affirmation. Affirmation is a key ingredient to friendship. So go to chapter 7 of, of Song of Songs. We're going to look at uh, how this lover, Solomon, speaks to his bride or his, his beloved. We don't know how long he's been married. We don't know um, whether or not uh, or how long they've been together because the poem bounces around. But time and time again, he affirms this woman um, with, with just language that's so poetic. And usually he starts with his head or her head and works his way down the body. Um, and, but in this particular case, we see that he starts with her feet and then works his way up. And so let's read this together. It says, How beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hand. Your navel is a rounded goblet. That never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat. Yes, encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. He's already said this. So I think as a poet, he's like, I got this one right. <laughs> like, I don't need to re rewrite this one. I nailed that line. <laughs> uh, these are all cultural metaphors that we don't fully understand, but he's just loving this woman that he sees and he's working his way up your neck is like an ivory tower your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Bath of Rabim your nose is like the tower of Lebanon <laughs> looking towards Damascus your head crowns, uh, crowns you like Mount Carmel your hair is a, like a royal tapestry the king is held captive by its tresses You're, how beautiful you are and how pleasing my love my love with your, with your delights. 
Your stature is like that of a palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. He went back to that one again. And I said, <laughs> most guys do anyway, so it's cool. Uh, or maybe it's the other one. I said, uh, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of it. Okay, so he gets into some other things. <laughs> Which is fine, but this is in the this is the word of God. Come on, Amen, Amen. Yeah. So, key to the relationship of Raya is is just smothering affirmation and companionship. It's like we do things differently. Bill talked about him being an ISTJ on Myers Briggs, and his wife being an ENFP. Well, I just so happen to be an ENFP. And my wife is an ISTJ. Uh, if you've ever taken the love languages class, uh, test, we are the exact opposite. On every single test we take, we are the exact opposite. But the value, we're, we're still best friends. How is that possible? We look at something, we see something totally different. But we've built this foundation of friendship that we just want to spend time together. You know, I don't care if it's the chick flick movie. Again, parenthood. I don't like parenthood. <laughs> I've got three more episodes for Breaking Bad, but um, I have to watch it by myself, and I don't recommend it, but anyways. um, But Parenthood, on the other hand, I can't watch that for a few moments without starting to cry. I don't know what it is about that thing that touches the emotional appeal, but anyways, my wife and I are exact opposites, but we've learned, and it's, it's hard, but that the key to this friendship is blessing. Speaking well to one another, affirming. And in order to do this, you have to become students of your spouse, students of your, your dating partner. You have to learn a vocabulary word, uh, a new vocabulary word with them. Because as life goes on, uh, this, they, they, you just got to continue to bless. Now, there was a study done several years ago. And the single, it said this, the single most indicator of the future success of a marriage is the ratio of negative comments to positive comments to the spouse, okay? Now, this is what the study found. The study argued if the ratio was one negative comment to five positive comments, you are 80 times more likely to get divorced in the first five years of marriage. One negative to five positive gives you an 80 times more, uh, it, it increases your chances of divorce by 80 times. That's significant. So what it, said, what it found out was this. It says um, the ratio for minimum health is 10 positive to 1 negative. That's a lot of work. <laughs> it's so much easier to nag or complain. I mean, do you agree? It's so much easier to nag and complain and, and, and just uh, have a negative attitude. But it's saying 10 positive to one negative. That's the minimum sign for health. And, um, and the reality is we just don't assume that someone knows that we love them. We have to continue to do this even when it's hard. And I just want to say this just before I go to the next love. That this is, you know, this type of love can be difficult in relationships. Uh, we, we might never develop a real friendship in our relationship. We might start off, uh, we'll look at our relationship with a sexual component. Um, and that will never fully develop into a friendship because of it. 
But if we start off with a friendship and then life kind of moves on in marriage, I mean, how many of us know, like, the chores come on, the tr- maybe we travel, we get new jobs, the, the cleaning and the, the budgeting, and then the kids come into the picture and all of a sudden there's no time for us and, and we're kind of do, like living life in parallel spheres and life just kind of goes on and we're kinda, we have a co-pilot, but there's not this delighting in friendship. We've lost the necessity of raya. And so the first picture we have for love is developing the foundation of raya. And so um, we're going to talk. Okay, okay, and then the next one, let's go to, uh, we'll just go to Song of Songs chapter 8. So raya is, is the, the fight for the, the, the friendship and the companionship, the love of, of soulmate kind of status. The next one is uh, from chapter 8, verse 6. We'll start here. And here the woman is speaking to Solomon. She says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. Uh, A seal was about possession or permanence, a symbol for those things. And so she's like, tattoo me on your heart, in other words. For love, and the word for love is ahava. Say ahava. Say it again, ahava. Your ahava is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench Ahava. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If one were to give all the wealth of one's house for Ahava, it would be utterly scorned. This other word is uh, Ahava. It's as strong as death. It's the love of will. Okay, now catch, I'm gonna try to paint this picture for you because it's the most profound love we have in the scriptures. Love is a passionate love that carries with it this idea of willing or a a love that chooses to act, uh, chooses to, um, with all the mind, heart, and will to love someone. It's the love that that makes the the decision to join a life together. It's the love that that has an emotion that leads to a commitment that joins uh, ahava, and ahava is a thing that lasts. You could say it's the love that chooses until death do us part. A love that, that says, uh, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, for, in sickness and in health, it's the love that sticks around when it doesn't get easy. A love that sticks around when there's continued arguments and conflict, when the sickness lingers and you're defined not by, by your job promotions, but by a diagnosis. It's the love that says, I'm choosing to be with you in this place. When you're marked by, by not the excess of money, but the excess of bills. And you're saying, we're going to stick this out. That type of love that will go through anything for the other. It's the love that seeks, that keeps on going, that keeps on giving, that keeps on knocking, not to receive, but simply to give itself away. It's the love that discovers new ways to choose again and again and again. And it's the love that pursues, that always fights, and it never gives up. And this is the love that God has for us. It's the love as you see your bride walking down the aisle for the first time. And that thing inside of you that says, from this day forward, I choose you, no matter what comes our way. Can you see that, that groom looking towards that bride? Maybe tears in his eyes as he sees. They, they're both holding out. They've been waiting for this day. 
And this beautiful woman in all the dazzling white silk comes walking down the aisle with her dad as he sees this bride, that experience of I'm choosing this moment from this day forward. That's how God views us. As a bridegroom pursuing a bride. Ahava is this mysterious type of love and it's all over a song of songs. It's, it's a, a possessive love that my, my wife has a right to me like no one else. It's not about entitlement, but it's about the, the right that I have to Alex and the, the thoughts that I have to her. It's exclusive love. It's passionate love. It's love that doesn't give up and it can't be quenched. It's like a mighty flame. And this is the, the love in Hebrew that is translated in Greek to agape love. So we read in John 3.16 that God so agape the world. He so loved the world. He so ahava the world that he gave his only son. This is the type of love that God has for us. And it's used all throughout the scriptures to describe uh, how God treats us. And this is the love that we're to have for our spouses Ahava pursues something and makes it lovable. That's the difference. The other kinds of love only pursue things that are lovable. Ahava pursues something and makes it lovable. You see, Ahava is a love that brings value rather than seeks value for itself. Can you see the difference? Ephesians 5 tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loves his church and gave himself up for her. This is ahava, love that continues to pursue. Do we get the picture? It's a beautiful love, huh? So we have raya, which is friendship and companionship. And then we have ahava, which is this will choosing to be with the person, to love them. And then go to Song of Songs chapter 1. This is a familiar one we've been talking a lot about. um, But this is a beautiful love. And and see, this love is a different love. And this love is a, a culmination of raya and ahava. This is what happens when you, uh, uh, it can happen in a healthy way. We desire for all three of these loves to work together. But what happens is we get this love. And it says, chapter 1, verse 2, where we started out. It says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Text messages my wife continues to flatter me with. It is beautiful to be smothered with the affection of your spouse. And she, she says, for your love is more delightful than wine. Love, the word is dode. Say dode. For your dode is more delightful than wine. And, and then there are other places. Go to uh, Song of Songs chapter 3, um, verse 5. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field. Do not arouse or awaken dode until it so desires. So this is this word that is used. uh, It's literally translated to carouse or fondle. Okay, this is the word for sexual love. It's the physical expression of love. It's love making. And, and in Proverbs, it says, let us drink dode until morning. Let us drink this sexual love until morning. And it's all over this book. It is a, it is a love that is designed to be experienced between two people. Um, it, it, and in Greek, it's translated to eros, and it means erotic love. It's where we get the idea of erotic love. And so we, um, we recognize that you have raya and you have, um, excuse me, you have ahava, and then you have dod, and most of the time we think that this is the most important love, but it's not. 
Dote is not the most important love we have, but it is important into our relationships. This is an important love within a marriage relationship. And, and we see that oftentimes um, uh, in our culture that this becomes the primary form of love. And Hollywood is fascinated by this, the Fifty Shades of Grey, the fantasy love. It's, and, and we recognize that it just becomes this physical expression. But what this is designed for is, is a celebration of all the other loves culminating in a person or a couple. And it's a love that's designed to last for a lifetime, not a one-time event. Dote is designed to be experienced between two covenantal individuals that are in a covenantal marriage relationship and to see an environment that's designed to last for a lifetime. And what happens in, and and I just want to speak openly, is that oftentimes this love disappears in a covenantal marriage, doesn't it? It's, and if you're not married, I just want to share it. You know, this is a love that you have to fight for almost like a spiritual discipline in marriage. Most of us have experienced this, where, where, yeah, maybe we were virgins when we got married, um, and we experienced dode, this sexual love, early on, but then as life kind of progresses, and, and children come into the picture, or chores, or, or more fights build up, and we carry this resentment and bitterness, or maybe our expectations of what sex was supposed to look like in marriage is not fulfilled, and we kind of go back to our old ways and retreat from one another, and, and don't really experience that intimate type of sexual love that's designed to be a place of intimacy and, um, and, and oneness. Have you experienced this? Where this becomes maybe something that we put in the back of our minds. A place of shame, a place of guilt, a place of awkwardness within marriage relationships, but yet it's designed to be built on raya and ahava and dod becomes this, this celebration of intimacy. And where we, where, when we're single, we can, you know, kind of hang dode or look at dode, uh, this, this sexual love as the ultimate expression. And in marriage life, it's not necessarily the ultimate expression. It, it's just a piece of a beautiful, loving relationship. Are you with me? And so for some of us, we recognize our own relationships. We, we, maybe this isn't a place where we've been intimate for a while. And this is a place we need to grow in and pursue our, our spouses, like in our youth, and not allow the life that we live, not allow just the raya to overwhelm our relationship, but to allow the ahava and the dod to be revealed in us once again. God will do that if you pursue it. So these are the three pictures we have of love. We have these, these pictures of, of friendship and, and uh, willed love and, and dod. And dod is central for those that have been married. Um, and I want to encourage you to fight for this. And uh, when these three loves are practiced in a meaningful relationship, when they come together physically, there's a deep spiritual mystery. And, and you see this idea that love is like a flame, and it's like these three flames come together and they reveal God to the world. And that's kind of the point of marriage in the first place. So sex, we can say, is ultimately a spiritual act. And we've talked about this a couple weeks ago. But something beautiful and powerful is meant to endure forever when we engage in true love. And now there are various ways to describe. So the point I want to make is simply this. Are you guys with me so far on these three pictures? The point I want to make is that we are so often confused by love. That we are confused by the meaning of love. And I've already alluded to this, but yes, our words. We're confused by the language we have because we love Chipotle and ice cream and sex and my wife all the same. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, we don't mean that, but so our language blends the meaning of our, our depth in this. But I would say the reason we're most confused is that our experiences with love have been skewed. That many of us are here and we have had broken relationships. That maybe it was a parent who was supposed to protect us and rather um, caused an extraordinarily amount of pain. And from a childhood, maybe innocence was taken away. And rather than being given the privilege to walk into a healthy relationship, this baggage is built up over time. And love is not something that you've experienced from parents or any other relationship, but love is something that you protect yourself from. Or or maybe that wasn't you. Maybe it's an ex-spouse who abandoned you. And there's a hole in your heart where you gave your love to someone that was committed to you and then they walked away, taking the very thing you gave them. Or maybe um, your relationship and you're married now began with a lot of dote. Early on, you were very sexual. And that sexuality didn't allow for there to be raya built over time. And you're now in this marriage and sex wasn't like it used to be. It's not like it once was. And you're kind of struggling with this spouse of yours and you're wondering who she is or who he is because he's not who he was when you were actively engaged sexually. And now you're kind of wondering, well, we, we're so different. Will we ever be on the same page as friends? And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe that's the love that you know. This is a distant love that is longing for friendship within a marriage relationship. Or maybe, like I've already suggested, you've been in a marriage relationship for quite some time and there's no sexual intimacy. There might be just ahava. You're committed to the thing and there's no friendship, but you're just hanging by a nail, by a thread. We all experience love in a different way. We all experience love in, uh, through the experiences we've had. And sometimes we present those experiences right to God. And this whole conversation over the last six weeks has been a lot about sexuality, it's about relationships, but most importantly, this is about our view of God. What type of God do we worship? What type of God do we see ourselves following? The series is about our view. As we look at the various words of love, I want to read this that we find in Song of Songs. We must recognize that the narrative, we all live out some type of narrative here. We all live out of some type of story. And that story is, is how we, we see the world around us. So whether you're here and you've been divorced or you're sleeping with a, a, a significant other, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or you've, maybe you've, you're here and you've had an affair Maybe you're here and you've been addicted to pornography for your whole life. Maybe you're here and you've been sexually abused and you wonder how could a loving God ever let that happen? Wherever you've been or whatever you've done, whatever's happened to you or whatever's gonna, what's, whatever your past has been, uh, whatever's happened in your past or whatever you're living in at this current moment, do you know, do you recognize, do you live out of the deep reality that God delights and loves you just as you are? 
that as we talk about sex and as we talk about addiction and as we talk about the, the distance in relationships and sexual, sexuality within relationships, as we sit here, do you have this overarching uh, paradigm that God is displeased with you? That he just wishes you could just get a little bit nicer or just get a little bit better. Then he'll love you more. Do you have that narrative like many of us do? You guys, his love is never, never, never based on your performance. And it's never based on your condition or your moods, whether you're happy or depressed. The love of God knows no shadow of alteration or change. It is It is reliable. And it is always tender. And you can go searching after pagan philosophers such as Aristotle that have arrived at conclusions that the existence of God has come through human reason and intellect. And he's uh, spoken in vague and impersonal terms like the unmoved mover or the uncaused um, cause. uh, Or you can read the Old Testament and see that the prophets had an understanding of a God revealed through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as, as a warmer, more compassionate God. Or you can recognize Jesus reveals to a Jew, Jewish audience that God is truly Father and He deeply loves us. And so I, I simply want to say, suggest that there is, there is openness and possibility for a new, renewed perspective. That you are loved, you are pursued after, that you are delighted in, that in your continued addiction to pornography, you are loved as you are. And I know this sounds outrageous, but that's how grace is. That you could be sitting next to the spouse, that all this stuff is coming up as I speak. The distance you're reminded of, the bitterness, the arguments, the things that she said to you that should never be said out loud. And you can carry all of that history and just allow that distance to bear on your relationship. Or you can choose to forgive and allow God to come into that wound and heal your relationship now and over time. Or you can sit here with all of that junk that's been done to you and say, I'm never gonna let you in there. And you can open up and recognize that he will never stop pursuing you. Three loves, three new words, raya, ahava, and dod. All these culminate in an intimate, loving marriage relationship. So we can practice raya now in dating relationships. We can practice ahava in dating relationships. But Dota is designed for marriage. And we recognize that God gives us this language to help us understand what he's like and how we are to respond to him. So this morning, I recognize we're all in different places. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come up. Um, we're all coming from different perspectives. We're all being touched in different ways. And it's a vulnerable subject. And I, don't want, I wanna leave that to God to minister. And we'll have some time for prayer. But here's what we're gonna do as a response. Um, we're gonna take communion together. So uh, we don't do this all the time as a family, but what we have here are, um, there's some juice and some crackers, and uh, the cracker represents the body of Jesus broken for us, nailed to a cross. So as you think, sit there and think of all the harm that's been done to you, all the pain that you've caused others, all the sin in your life, all the junk, all the ways that you've participated in your self-destruction, all of that's been nailed to the cross. We take that cracker as a reminder that it's not on our own strength. It's on what he he did. And we we dip it in the juice as a symbol of the new covenant. 
through the spilling of Jesus' blood, we are seen now as beloved children of God, that we have right relationship with God, that nothing, there's no condemnation for us. And we do this as a reminder, by way of remembering. Have you ever sat around with an old couple that's been married for 30 or 40 years? Have you, have, have you ever had the luxury of sitting with someone that's been married for 40 years? What do they have tons of? Stories. They have stories and all, like their house is filled with pictures. Pictures of ways to remember the life they shared together. For us, communion is remembering. It's a picture of what God's done for us. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.